loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming Donna Stoneham. Donna is an executive coach, team facilitator, facilitator, and former hospice chaplain. Her last book, The Thriver's Edge, Seven Keys to Transform the Way You Live, Love, and Lead, was a USA Best Book Awards, a National Indie Excellence Book Awards, and an International Book Awards finalist. Her work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Women's Day, BuzzFeed, the Huffington Post, and on many television and radio shows, in addition to podcasts like this one. Her new book is titled Catch Me When I Fall, Poems of Mother Loss and Healing. When she's not coaching or writing, you'll find her playing with her new puppy, watching British television, communing with spirit and nature in a kayak, or hiking by the shore. Welcome to the show, Donna. Thank you so much, Cheryl, for having me. I'm, I'm happy to have you. And we were saying before we came on even how many intersections there are in our stories, uh, some differences, but really some intersections. Maybe we'll just start with your story and then we can kind of weave it together with uh, what it's brought up for me to read your book. Thank you so much. Well, <clears throat> Cheryl, my book is about um, my grief journey following the loss of my mother. And she passed away five years ago. Um, she was older. She was almost 88, but her death was quite unexpected. And um, she died very suddenly, um, had a bleeding ulcer and passed. She spent the last 27 months of her life with my wife and I in California. We moved her here from Texas. She had Alzheimer's. And so our, our work for those 27 months was taking care of her and supporting her. And as a result of that, we did a tremendous amount of healing um, in, in a, what had been a really difficult relationship for most of my life. And I think that, um, you know, one of the big takeaways for me, I, I learned a lot about grief on my own grief journey. I even had a dream that portended it was about to happen a few months before it did, which was very powerful. I can share that at some point if that's helpful. But um, I've learned a lot of lessons from my grief journey that have really helped me set me on my new path of being a motherless daughter at age 60 when when it happened to me. Um, <clears throat> That's, of course, the theme of the show is how sometimes, not always, um, grief opens the door on a huge change ultimately without skipping the part that grief is not a fun process. Exactly. Yes. But it's very transformative. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's, when I think about my grief journey, just to preface it a bit, I want to say that when my mother passed, 
I had no idea what was to come. And she has been um, so incredibly present and helpful and has really been my guide through the grief journey. I never expected that would ever happen. And um, she literally kind of became my conduit to the divine and was giving me all kinds of messages and transmissions and all kinds of things I did not expect. Um, all about love, really, and, and the, the power of love and that that was the whole reason why we're here is to learn how to love and to love more deeply. And I think some of the things that <clears throat> that I came away with, excuse me, I'm getting over pneumonia, so um, <clears throat> my throat is a little raspy. Um, one is that it's never too late to heal. Mm -hmm. But even when we think our relationships, that they're complete, and um, or we think we'll never heal that particular breach we had in a relationship, that I think if we keep our heart open, it's still possible, even on the other side, or even from the other side. You know, I feel the message of your book is 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 pretty timely because, of course, I'm older than you, but um, we've both lived through um, times of terrible um, judgment and oppression of of LGBTQIA plus plus people. <laughs> Um, no person who's a lesbian or in any of those categories has escaped experiencing that. Yes. And um, so the idea that you and your mother, your mother who did not accept, but came to accept through love. Yes. To me, that's very powerful. I, I wrote a novel and it was about that subject, a mother who did not accept and came to accept because... Um, otherwise you lose each other in this most terrible way because you can't really open up if you're not accepted and you can't really love if you don't accept, you know? So it, it had a lot of impact to read that. Uh, it's different from my story. We both have religious, mm -hmm. uh, had religious parents. My parents got there faster than your mom. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but but still that process of of um not being able to really look at a person with love even though you love them even though you love them yeah and it was interesting with with uh with my mother she i i never doubted she loved me she just didn't accept me and that was what was so hard and I think it created a lot of not enoughness in me that mm -hmm. I struggled with my whole life. And when, when we moved her here, when my wife and I moved her here, I made a commitment that I was going to keep my heart open. And I didn't know how it was going to go. And I was terrified because I really worried that um, it was really hard to have boundaries with my mom. And I was really worried that I would lose all the ground that I had accomplished over the years. But and so, by, moving, by moving, by moving her, maybe I'm, maybe I'm projecting because I did need to move away. Too. Yes, and I did move away. Yes. I moved very far away. Um, 
you know, right out of college. And, but then moving her here and into my world, I said, I'm going to keep my heart open. And part of what was happening for her too was she had Alzheimer's and she was beginning to lose her cognitive function. But it was almost like the more of the cognitive function <clears throat> that she lost, the more her heart opened. So I think for both of us, it was kind of like this really magical time. And it was the first time I really felt her deep appreciation for what I was doing for her, how I was helping her, taking care of her. And, um, and then she spent lots of time with my wife, Julie. And real, she'd always liked her a lot, but she really came to love her as a daughter. And so it was this really, I mean, I wouldn't trade those 27 months for all the 27 months of my life for what we got. But then when she died, I was, I was so bereft because I had finally found the mother I had wanted my whole life. And then, boom, she was gone. That, that that makes it a kind of a pure grief, doesn't it, Donna? Yeah. In the sense of the, the obstructions had been removed and it's just the loss, you know, which is clobbering, but purer somehow, I have, I have the feeling. Well, it's interesting, too, because she died five years ago. And um, one thing that you said in one of your blog posts that really resonated for me when you were talking about the death of your wife, Joanne. And, and you said, I gave myself to grief a little like a new love. I let love command me. And that touched me really deeply because that's what happened to me when I lost my mom. I let love and grief command me. And, and it took me, she told me in one of our conversations after she died, she said, honey, it will take you a year or two to start to feel whole again. And that's okay. Let yourself feel it. Just don't try to run from it. Let it, let, let, let it wash through you. Mm -hmm. And so I did all that healing. And then, as I mentioned, after my book came out, a couple of weeks later, I got really sick. I got pneumonia. And a lot of stuff with my, I have asthma, so a lot of stuff with my lungs. And I started to realize I just went into a really dark place and I started to realize that I had grieved for the first few years after she died, the loss of what I found. And now I was starting to grieve the loss of what I'd always wanted, but didn't get. Mm -hmm. And that we have to do both in order to really pass through it. So that's, what I've been grappling with the last seven or eight weeks is working through a lot of that and, and actually getting responses from her as recently as this weekend on a walk. Um, you know, keep doing that. That's important. I, I couldn't give you what you needed when you needed it. It's okay to mourn that. It's okay. But I can give it to you now. So that's what I'm most grateful for. That, that, that calls to to mind uh, a truth I think we share in, which is um, I don't participate in the fantasy that grief is something that gets over. I don't either. <clears throat> uh, but what you're doing with it 
is just remarkably different at different, you know, I'm a long ways, what, 27, 28 years after my my wife's death. And the way that that weaves into my life is different than it was. Than it was, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it but it still impacts me. It's still present. It still yes. matters. And and you said it really well. You said to choose love is to choose a broken heart. And I think that's what we do when we're processing grief. I mean, in the last year, I lost my second mother, my aunt, my mother's sister, my uncle, who was my Southern Baptist de facto godfather because we don't have those how I grew up and we lost our 15 year old dog and we lost my sister-in-law and it was just like all in like seven months bam 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 and then my book came out you know so it was all in the midst of of all of this and I think you're I think you know a couple of things I realized in my journey about grief is that it's cumulative and one loss, we have to weave, as you mentioned, the fabric of that loss into the next loss and the next loss. And it triggers the old losses as we experience those losses. And that it's, um, as my mother told me one time, it is transformational. It will either make you better or it will make you bitter. And you've got that choice. That's the choice. Bill Hayes, who wrote a memoir about two partners he had who died had a friend tell him grief will change you let it mm -hmm. I like line mm -hmm. um so yes. we're we're both the let's let's let it change us as opposed to take us down take us down yeah and it's easy to let it take you down you know it's it it can be really easy to let it take you down what do you think what do you believe makes that difference for people uh, you know, because in a way you have to let it have you, as we've been talking about. But for me, at least, that's different from having it take me down. And I wonder if you have uh, ideas about what makes that difference for people. I think for me, a lot of it has been about, I think what I've learned in and navigating grief with my mom is a belief that love never ends. Mm. And, and that's through experience of experiencing her presence after she, her body was no longer here. And all the little signs and signals, which were many of her continued presence. And so I think hanging on to the love that was present and the love that is possible is what keeps me from sinking into that hole. There's another broader story happening. Yes. Not, much not bigger. Just, not just physicality. Yes. But I find people get stuck by imagining that the big picture is the only picture and trying to ignore the grief yes. or the other way around the grief and no, nothing larger. Both of those to me seem to um, put people in a rut. Um, it's sort of be a human experience it. And there's, there's some broader meaning possible that that's how I think about it. I agree with you. I think, and I think that, it's the recognition, the acknowledgement that grief is everyday grief. 
we are always losing something every single day. And how do we navigate that? And we're always gaining something every single day. And you can't gain if you haven't had loss. Yeah, e even even being on the road right now involves numerous losses of safety as someone cuts in and exactly. <laughs> you know, it's crazy out there. But it is those are losses, aren't they? Do you yes. get mad? Do you get scared? Do you get sad? What what happens when life isn't as uh someone expressed it to me? Um, grief is the difference between what we wish was true and what's true. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's small and large examples of that, aren't there? Absolutely. So here's an irony I, I, I think has affected my life and yours both. Um, there's a concept, and we'll just begin this and then come back to it after the break. There's a concept of being a good Christian, um, which in my naive childhood way of looking at it meant being loving, pretty much, you know, being good to people. But being a good Christian, even previous to this latest <laughs> um, situation we're in, didn't always look like that. Uh, it, even with both of our mothers, uh, my mother um, uh, readjusted herself quicker than yours, but boy, there was not acceptance at first. Um, I want to try to put that together. How can people who who have a value for good Christian also be so deeply judgmental. Can we talk about that when absolutely we, and how and what helps a person um, change their mind about it? Find some deeper understanding, which your mother did, my mother did, but yes. many people don't. Don't, yes. Great. We'll talk about that when we get back. Listeners, you'll find links to my website and social media, the Good Grief page at Voice America. And to find Donna Stonem, go to Donna Stonem, that's D-O-N-N-A-S-T-O-N-E-H-A-M.com. Be back soon. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com slash goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. <laughs> 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Resiliency is the human capacity to lean into individual and collective strengths with compassion and grit when faced with the challenges of lived experience. Join host Elaine miller Karras for Resiliency Within, a program of hope and healing designed to inspire you to integrate wellness into your life, your family, and your community. In challenging times, you'll want to tune in every week. Resiliency Within can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Donna Stoneham about her newly released book, Catch Me When I Fall. And before the break, Donna, I was wanted you seemed like a good person to dive into um, how quote unquote good Christians can be so heavy into judgment. And I'm not even talking about the the most radical <laughs> fringe, but just regular good Christians don't seem to believe that ought to come with a level of acceptance for other people and um i mean i have of course theoretical ideas about that but it's it it's a terrible grief isn't it and then when it affects you personally um i have a lot of people of color in my family <clears throat> that that clobbers me um queer people you know just the lack mm. of love really the lack of love yeah yeah. Yeah, I um you know, it was interesting. I I was on a panel several weeks ago at Book Passage in Corta Madeira, and one of the women who was on the panel with me, we were talking about grief. A lot of it was about the transformative power of grief and loss in our lives. And she came up to me after and she hugged me. And she said, I am just so sorry that you had to go through so much of your life without knowing acceptance. And I think that's the damage that religion, I don't care what stripe it is, can really do to people is ostracize them, make them feel like they're outcasts, um, which is to me the very antithesis of the message of Christianity, of the message of Jesus, which is how I grew up. And, um, 
it is all about love. And I think what happens, I mean, I noticed even with my mom, when she moved to California, she lived in Texas her whole life. She ended up moving to um, assisted living facility. Her best friend ended up being a Jewish agnostic progressive Democrat who marched with Martin Luther King. Now go figure how that's going to happen, right? And they would get into these conversations. And my mother felt like it was kind of her job to save her friend from eternal hell and damnation because she was Jewish. And my mother's friend thought it was her role to save my mother from being narrow-minded. And so the dinner conversations with the two of them were just fascinating to watch. But underneath it all was love, deep love, deep care for each other. And to watch. So, I mean, I just keep going back to that. It's it's the need to constantly remind ourselves. And my mother told me has told me this so many times since she passed. You know, she said, your job is to be an ambassador for love and of love. And your job is to help create heaven on earth till you actually get to heaven, whatever heaven means to different people, right? But she said, your job is to help create heaven on earth. And the way we do that is by learning to love more deeply. That's that, that, that's a very clear mission, isn't it? <laughs> yes, and very difficult, you're, very you're, difficult. You're reminding me, um, my 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 grandfather was uh, pretty racist, pretty sexist, you know, all the things, all the white man things. But as his memory failed, he forgot. Mm -hmm. And yeah. <laughs> he uh -huh. says it once, Joanne was was black, mm -hmm. and we were having dinner at my parents' house, us and my grandparents and my parents. And he was just enraptured by her. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it was the most comical thing to watch. I mean, she was a very lovable person. People people loved her. But earlier in his life, that wouldn't have mattered, yeah. right? Because he was so judgmental. He had the most lovely night in this in this love fest with this person that probably 10 years before that, he wouldn't have been able to stand and <laughs> it was it was enjoyable i'll just say that yeah. but but it's the mind that judges it is not the mind that judges it's not the heart you know i, I want to share this because this is actually the very last it's the epilogue in my book and it's from my mother and, and one of the transmissions after she died at the end, like four and a half years after she died. Hi, honey, it's your mama. I wanted to share something I've learned since I've been in heaven. I think it may come in handy. Sweetie, the whole point of being on earth is to learn how to open and expand your heart even wider. And all the disappointments, all the suffering, and all the losses you face while you walk the earth are the things that help you carve open an even bigger space for love. Then when you get to your heavenly home, you'll appreciate it more deeply because of all the pain you endured while you were on earth. I'm so grateful, sweetie, for all the healing we did in my last years. I'm sorry I didn't know how to nurture you the way you needed to be loved when you were younger. 
I had my own healing work to do. But I want you to know that I did my best with what I knew how to do at the time. I know so much more now than I did then, and I'm always here to help you. Honey, I loved you with all my heart when I was your mother on earth, but that doesn't hold a candle to how much I love you now. So I think there's a couple of things in here that speak to what we're talking about. Um, one is that we have to do our healing work. We all do. And if we don't, it gets projected. And it gets projected onto people in ways that are not healthy, that are judgmental, that are not, not bridge building, to say the least. And we have to be able to forgive and to ask for forgiveness when we do step into that breach and we hurt other people. And I think those were, you know, a couple of things I really learned from, from my mama is we've got to be able to hold positive intent for the other person, despite how much animosity and or misunderstanding or whatever we might feel. And of course, that can go both ways, can't yes. it? I mean, yes. I certainly had to work through my judgment of my mother for various, yes, me too, various things, and <clears throat> give her for the things that, basically, the things that made her incapable in certain ways. And I think sometimes it's just really hard for people to be at a place where they get it you know i can't tell you how many conversations i have with my mother over the years about not respecting me not accepting me how much it hurt me etc and the things really turned when she was 80 years old and we had a birthday party for her we had a party at her church and then we had a dinner at her house and she asked my brother and i my brother's also gay and she asked us both would you mind to either leave your wedding rings at home or not bring your spouses? Mm -hmm. And and we, you know, sucked it up and went in and had the parties and did all that. But that night, when everything was done, I walked into her kitchen and I couldn't contain it anymore. And I just, I wept and I said, do you have any idea how much you hurt me? Can you even fathom what that feels like? Imagine if if your mother had come to you and said, Please don't bring your husband to my birthday party. What would that feel like? Anyway, that was, she was 80 years old and that's when she got it that night. And she finally said, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I get it. I understand it. After so many fits and starts. So, you know, you never know what, for me, it was my moment of being completely vulnerable with her and completely open with her. And I was at the point at that point where I was like, if she rejects me for this, then fine. I will always take care of her because I owed her that. But it was out of obligation. And it shifted, my care for her shifted to be out of devotion. When, once we so could meet each other. You were being the person that you intended to be in caring for her. Yes. And into yourself and your own values, I'm pretty sure. That's yes. what I do with people who 
who have troubled relationships but take care of the person anyway, yes. which is not uncommon at all, right? But um, it's interesting that what broke it open for her was your complete vulnerability. Yes, yes. Which and I think for many... when you feel judged by someone, it's hard to be vulnerable. Yeah, it's hard to be, you know, and even people that um, come out in public that so vulnerable, but it does change hearts and minds mm -hmm. when people do that. It's, it's that kind of thing, isn't it? I think so. And I think it's finally being at a place where I realized this was a truth I had to tell. I couldn't. I couldn't keep it inside anymore. Um, and there had been so many incidents throughout my life where I'd tried. And it was just, I just couldn't get through. And this time it was like, you know what? I mean this. This is it. And, and she heard it. And she got it. I wonder what impact that has. You know, you were, you were married before that happened. Mm -hmm. You are still married. Yes, 32 and years. Congratulations. Yes. Thank you. 25 or so. <laughs> um, I wonder what impact that then has on your relationship. That the shift in you to, because I think that does usually result in a deeper level of acceptance for oneself. Yes. When finally we feel accepted it is easy we can get there anyway but it's harder it's yeah. definitely harder so do you feel that's had an impact for you i think it's had a really big impact and i think the impact kind of started before i always I always laugh people say wow 32 years and so many people say your relationship is the kind of relationship i want i, I don't know you know you're like the poster children for for you know a good marriage and i say well you weren't with us for the first 15 years because they were really, really hard. And and so much of that was about me judging Julie not being who I wanted her to be mm -hmm. and fulfilling my needs, just like my mother was judging me and I was judging my mother. So I think, you know, and I tell people all the time, if I had all the money I've spent in therapy, I'd have a beach house in Malibu. You know, I mean, I have done years and years and years of therapy to work through a lot of this and work through childhood trauma and a lot of a lot of the other things that, that I've gone through. But but I think when we can come to a place of true deep self-acceptance, then we start to accept other people for who they are. And that happened for me and my relationship with my mother, beginning to really accept her. And it certainly happened with Julie in my marriage. And Julie was such a champ going through all this. I mean, we had a rule in the beginning of our relationship that if we went to see my family, it was a three-day rule. I couldn't take it more than three days. It was just too hard. And by the end, I loved spending time with my mother. I loved having her hang out with us. We both did. So it was a huge transformation. There, there's that level, you know, um, my my wife and I, uh, all, three of our four parents were alive when we met. Um, none of them are alive now. Mm -hmm. So just that, what it did in our relationship to 
walk through those losses together it can tear you apart or it can deepen things yes but then to add the acceptance piece you know how would we ever get those things apart but nonetheless mm -hmm. it all contributes to a shift doesn't it, does. it it really does yeah yeah and and as we're able to make those shifts internally in ourselves it enables oh i have learned so much since my mother died um from how she's helped me since she's been gone her presence her communications her connection um it's mm. been incredibly it's been incredibly powerful i um i wanted to share a poem if i might yeah we have a couple more minutes before okay. i break right ahead it's called walk the sky and this was when I knew the book was complete. You taught me how to walk the sky, to reach higher for love, to acknowledge all that's possible when we allow loss to remake us. You taught me how to swim the earth on amphibious feet, tiny step by tiny step, reclaiming trust that I could move forward without you wherever that path unfolds. You taught me how to fly unencumbered, by what you didn't know how to offer when I was a child, to find my bearings when I veered off course through the air of grace that floats between us now. You taught me that love is the balm that mends all wounds, that rights all wrongs, that restores and heals across life and death, heaven and earth, this world and the next. You promised me when you left this earth that someday I'd feel whole again. I didn't realize then what I know now that you had to leave so I could learn how to give birth to myself. Beautiful. Let's come back and talk about wholeness a little bit. <laughs> it's a developing <laughs> evolution, isn't it? <laughs> yes. You can't, uh, Listeners, feel free to go and look at my website, weatheringgrief.com or the Good Grief Host page. And to find Donna Stoneham, you can go to donnastoneham.com. Back after the break. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com slash goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. 
Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems. You'll hear about the innovations in both traditional and alternative medicine therapies with doctors and dentists, along with discussions with chiropractors, medical experts, homeopaths, naturopaths, and energetic healers. It's great to have all the best information in one place. And Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins brings it all together. Listen Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I've been talking with Donna Stoneham about her book, her recent book, Catch Me When I Fall. And Donna, during the break, we were kind of talking about uh, wanting to discuss in this segment kind of the gifts of grief, but also being careful about (laughs) that particular expression. Um, The work is the gift in a way, Um, but I'd be really uh, curious to hear how you would distill some of the gifts that that your work with grief gave you? Yes. Yeah, I would say really the transformation is the gift, right? And the transformation comes from walking through grief, through the grief. And so for me, um, I think there's, I mean, it was really hard to kind of encapsulate this, but I came up with, you know, six things that, always will stay with me. Mm. And the first one, and I mentioned this earlier, is the realization that it's never too late to heal. That even if someone's gone, or even if we think we can't heal a fractured relationship, if we keep our heart open to the possibility that that could happen, I believe with enough love and patience and generosity, that we can heal most everything. Um, The second thing I've learned is that, wow, um, you never know who's going to be your next teacher. (laughs) And it could be the person standing next to you in the line at the supermarket. And it can be your Southern Baptist, Rush Limbaugh-loving, Fox News-watching mother from the other side who becomes your guardian angel and helps you walk through things you never thought you could. So, you know, be be aware of the teachers because they're everywhere if we're, again, open enough to receive them and their messages. Um, and the other thing is that our relationships don't have to end when someone dies. We can still be in relationship with them. It's different. We can still communicate. I had a conversation with my mother on Sunday, five over five years after she died. 
um, on a walk. And she was as present as ever. And I've gotten to where when we have these conversations, I look like the crazy lady, you know, on the on the path. But oh, I pretend you're talking on the phone. That's what I do. <laughs> but I record it. I record what she shares with me on my iPhone. And then I have it transcribed. And then I have all these records. I have over 200 pages of stuff since she died. It's all really important for my growth and my learning. And then another thing that I realized, you know, I watched this movie maybe a month ago um, called Collateral Beauty. And it came out years ago, and I think I saw it when it happened, but it didn't mean the same thing to me. Now. In, the, in, the, in the movie, there's a woman who, who asks one of the characters, they're sitting in a hospital, and she says, do you have someone, I'm paraphrasing, do you have someone who's dying? And she said, yes, my child. And the woman responded to her, don't forget to see collateral beauty. And I think for me, what that means is I learned how to be still and quiet and present in a way I had never known it before. And I meditated for 40 years. But it stopped me in my tracks to just really stop and be still and really tune in to the world around me, to life around me, to beauty, to nature, in a way I, I, I wouldn't have done had it not knocked me to my knees. And then another thing is that I realized, another learning from my journey is that really love is the reason we're here. There's no other reason to be here than to learn how to love, how to express love, how to love more deeply. And it's a really hard job sometimes. And um, I sort of have this belief that we sign up for stuff before we come in. It was like, oh, I'll, I'll be gay this year, this time. Or, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll do the, you know, I'll do the AIDS thing or whatever. Right? So we, we sign up in a way because we know we can do it. And we come in here to help transform. We know life is going to challenge us. Yes. Whatever the particular thing is, it's going Whatever to. Whatever it is, and we all. How we respond it. to that is. Yeah. Our hell on earth, isn't it? Yes. And then, um, the last thing, is. Sometimes people have to leave our lives so that we can become who we're meant to be. And as hard as it is sometimes to acknowledge that or admit that. I mean, I'm just now five plus years later, really beginning to see who I can be without my mother, mm. without her presence in my life. And as I said in that poem I just read, I, I, she had to go so that I could become who I'm meant to be. So we've circled back around to um, wholeness. Yeah which we kind of tagged but didn't um, start with this segment because wholeness happens in a in a moment and is never complete right yes. uh i i don't know that before your mom moved out here you would would have said you weren't whole but no i probably would have would you have <laughs> i mean i i think i think to me the wholeness piece and the 
equates a lot with the not enoughness piece. Okay, so I never felt enough. And I still grapple with that in some ways today, if I'm being completely honest. Like I'm thinking about we're getting close to the possibility of retirement and downshifting my career and have always, you know, received a sense of value and life and all that. And that brings up some of this. What am I going to do if I'm not like working or if I'm not like coaching or if I'm not, you know, facilitating or writing or whatever, the doing this stuff, right. To just transitioning more into being and more time for being. Um, I'll always revisit the places we've lived. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. not a big surprise. But yes. do you stay there? I, I think probably not. Yes. Yes. So so I think for me, wholeness, I, I feel much more um, grounded, much more who I'm supposed to be, much more authentic, much more willing to take the slings and arrows if if that's what's required to be honest uh, I, I hid a lot of my life mm. and i'm totally unwilling to do that now it's interesting isn't it because for both of us some moment came where we faced an incontrovertible truth that was not convenient I am a lesbian, right? Yes. Which seems like complete self-acceptance, but it isn't necessarily. Isn't, no. It's no. a starting point. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But a long road. A it's long, a long road. Exactly. A long hard road. Right. And you know, to your to your point earlier about what makes people judgmental. And I I was thinking about that. In a lot of ways, when I think about my mom and her response and her reaction to me and to who I was, I really believe a lot of it was her fear. Mm. Was I going to be accepted? Was I going to be loved? Was I going to be... She couldn't fully extend into that because of her own conditioning and her own religion and things like that. But I think she worried about that for me, which was, you know... Not wrong. But that wrong, she right? could accept you and still worry about that. Yes, exactly. Like fear that got in the way. You know, the fear. Yeah. And also, let's be honest, parents get judged for their children. Yes, they do. And um, I think many religious parents actually worry about their community's acceptance. Yes. Um, there's some really good movies out uh, about Mormon families in that regard. Yes seen yes. re recently um that's a very human thing will i be judged for what my kid does yes yes um but we would hope that people work past that because in fact i know from being a parent it's not always cause and effect yes exactly <laughs> they have their own lies that they're yes. Yeah. So I, I guess she must have come to terms with that a bit. And maybe that was easier leaving her community and coming. Oh, I think so. I think that was a huge part of it. I think being able to move to a place where her children are really accepted and to be able to see that and to see that it was okay. And um, also, honestly, 
she would have been the outcast if she didn't accept. Yes. In in most environments here, yeah. not all. I, yes. I don't want to yes. exaggerate. Yeah. There are some very homophobic yeah. environments here, yeah. but I think that's more likely than not. Yes. And I'm pretty sure you would have vetted the place she was going to be. Yes. To know that they would accept you. Yes. So. And you know, it was interesting. Three weeks before she died, it was her last dinner with us. We usually, we either took her out to eat on Friday nights or she came over here and we had a sleepover. And we were having dinner and she looked at both of us and she said, you know, I just can't imagine my two children finding better mates than, than they found. And we looked at each other, you know, it was like, it makes me cry when I think about it now. But it was like her acknowledgement that she got it at the very end of her life. She got it. And then when she died and she was on her deathbed, she was unconscious for two days. I'd been a hospice chaplain, so I tried to give her a good hospice death in the ICU. And the last thing she did, Julie was on one side, I was on the other. She opened her eyes. She looked at me. She looked at Julie. And then she closed her eyes and took her last breath. So here's what I would like to end with, that the task for someone who's marginalized is to keep loving anyway. Yes. That is a big task, yes. to keep loving anyway, not knowing if it will ever make a difference. Yes. But often it does make a difference, doesn't it? Um, if you don't respond with judgment to the judgment, yes, um, it shouldn't be our job. But nonetheless, yes. yes, maybe that's the job. Whenever there's a lack of acceptance, that and you know what? Even bigger than that, when you do love that way, what ends up happening is you end up loving yourself. Amen to that, Lynn. I'm sorry. I've been reading ahead, Donna. <laughs> I've really enjoyed having you on the show. Uh, maybe we'll run into each other since we're both Bay Area. I would love that. Thank you so much, Cheryl. It's been lovely. Thanks. Really for enjoyed it. Go to DonnaStoneham.com if you want to find Donna and her great book. Next week, I'll have Lynn Hightower. Her novel, The Beautiful Risk, tells the story of a widow trying to uncover the truth about her husband's death. Join us to uncover what experiences in Lynn's life led her to write it. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.